0: Hello, and welcome to Beer & Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer & Money. I am your host, Ryan Burklow with, as always, the adorable analytic Alexander Bradley Collins
2: how we just taught my uh, my daughter all about alliteration well done Ryan
1: (laughs) I didn't even realize I did that but yeah thank you I've been working on my alliteration in my speech (laughs) Uh, for those of you who are new welcome to the show this show is all about helping you think of your money differently um, and hopefully get you to have conversations with other people, um, most likely your spouse, maybe your advisor, um, just talking about money. We understand it's a taboo topic. We understand sometimes it's a stressful topic. And so we want to be here as a resource for you uh, to help open those up and also look at your money and understand how it's working for you, or maybe against you. In the last episode, uh, we had a conversation around what is the market and you know oftentimes as we discussed it it, people are really comparing their current portfolios to how the market is doing and really they're comparing it to what the media is portraying as the market which is really two indexes if you will the s p 500 and the dow jones
2: yeah uh, and the, the dow jones is 30 large industrial stocks here in the u.s and the uh the S&P 500 is uh, some of the largest 500 uh, stocks in the U.S. Uh, It's currently being dominated uh, almost entirely by big tech. Um, There's five companies uh, that are just a little bit under a quarter of the entire index. Which is both good and bad, depending on how
1: your portfolio is. And looking long term is a whole other conversation. (laughs) So (laughs) make sure you take... Make sure you take a listen to that episode before you chime into this one is is our opinion on that. Today's conversation we want to talk about the market versus the economy.
2: And really what's the difference? So there's so many people that that will like these are both somewhat nebulous concepts. Um we've talked we talked about the market last time. We're going to start out with a conversation around what is the economy? Um, and, and how do we define it? How do we know it's going well? How do we know it's not going well? Um, and and so that's, that's going to be kind of where we, where we start the conversation. Um, and then we're going to jump into, you know, okay, now that we have what the economy is, now that we've defined what the market is, like how, what, what's the difference and, and how does that help us with investing? Why do we do different things? What should we do differently? Um, those, those types of conversations.
1: So we'll start the conversation off with kind of putting um, a statement out there, and then we'll talk about maybe improving that statement. Um, and the statement is, the stock market, and in this case, we're using those two indexes, if, if you're utilizing those, uh, do not reflect how the economy is currently doing. Yeah, uh, and- Sometimes it might, and sometimes it might not. It's
2: just not 100% correlated. Yeah, uh, that is a great way of putting it, Ryan. Uh, talking about the correlation, or or how much one goes up when the other goes up, how much one goes down when the other goes down. If they're perfectly correlated, every time the market goes up, the economy goes up. Every time the market goes down, the economy goes down, and vice versa. Um, so let, let's take a step back and and start defining what the economy is. The economy is is really like we hear this term uh, GDP. Thrown out all the time, right? Now, Correct. <laughs> now, <laughs> how many people actually understand what GDP actually is? Um, you know, a lot of people probably know that it's the gross domestic product, um, but but really, it, it's kind of this nebulous thing that that folks have a hard time actually understanding. Um, what GDP actually is, it's the sum total of everything that was done in a country or in a location and then what the output from all of that work was. Uh, and that could be products, it uh, it, it, it is product related. So um, it's all of the the things that were created inside of that location. Um, and typically we think of GDP as a country um, type 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 stat. Um, But because this is such a big conglomeration of things, just like the indexes, it's really it's entirely possible for it to be dominated by a couple companies. It's also possible for uh, for it's not necessarily to have a whole lot of relevance for your particular situation. Um, And so there's a couple other things that we oftentimes look towards uh, when we're discussing the economy. Um, Yeah, right now, I think most people, when they're talking
1: about the economy, they're really looking at unemployment numbers. And obviously, during this pandemic, that's been a huge conversation. Um, And then prior to this was we were talking about, you know, real wage growth. Yeah. Uh, Those are two pieces just recently that a lot of people have conversation about. And and that's what they're really utilizing as, quote unquote, the economy.
2: Yes. Um, and, And like. Don't get us wrong. These are not like we're not holding these out there as like, this is what you should look at as the economy. Uh, The economy is still this nebulous thing. We have to look at it through multiple different lenses to really understand what's going on. Um, Even each one of these different, uh, um, you know, things that we're talking about right now, unemployment numbers and real wage growth, they have components to them as well. you know, in terms of, of unemployment, we're, we've seen some of the the largest and quickest um, you know amount of filings for for unemployment. You know, really, we haven't seen this level, um, you know, since the Great Recession back in uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh, we briefly got there, um, but prior to that, I mean, it was really all the way back to uh, to the Great Depression. Um, in the 1930s that we saw, you know, this level of, of, uh, of unemployment.
1: Yeah. And there, and there are different effects on the economy, right? Like they lowered interest rates. It's practically nothing right now to help stimulate the economy.
2: Yeah. And what they're talking about there is, is uh, making uh, funds more readily available to, to uh, small business owners, to individuals through mortgages, things of that nature, uh, with the idea that this will will help stimulate uh, economic activity, buying of of goods, uh, reinvesting back into companies, reinvest investing back into to structures like uh, plants and the ability to ramp up production and things of that nature. Um, and, and at this point, there there isn't a whole lot more stimulus that, that can be given in terms uh, outside of just you know, injecting more cash into the system um, you know've we've, we've gone through a, a fairly major uh, tax break back in uh, 2018. We've gone through um, you know dramatically lower interest rates. Uh, I mean you and I've we've talked about this in the past but uh, uh, currently rates for mortgages are sitting, uh, At or maybe even a little bit below three percent for a thirty-year fixed mortgage, which is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, the the amount so, of access to funds right now is is if you're in a strong financial situation is amazing. Yes and no.
1: I know I was actually speaking to a mortgage um, advisor the other day, and he was talking about how if you want to do a cash out refinances, a lot of banks aren't actually allowing that because they're concerned about people going back to work or loss of jobs, right, Right. tying that back into the, the economy conversation. So there's a bunch of pieces that make up the economy, and our earlier statement around the market and the economy aren't one and the same meaning like if the market goes up the economy also will go up take for instance right now you know yeah. the market the market has rebounded to a, a crazy rebound you know to our point earlier around these these major tech companies being the, the bulk of that rebound but how is the economy right now? Our unemployment numbers are not
2: great. Yeah. Real, and, re, real wage growth is non-existent right now. Um, you know, when we, when, it, when we try to dissect this and, and like one of our fears is a lot of people are going to listen to this and then say, Oh, well, a, a crash is coming. We got to get out. And maybe they what we're currently experiencing does not dictate that that's going to be the case. When we take a look at the stock market, it is the sum total of everything that we know currently and pricing that appropriately based on our current situation. Everything is priced into that number. And a lot of it is really based on emotions. Like how, how, what's the, what's the thought, what's the feeling about where we're going. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the the stock market has recovered as much as it has is because the the market essentially was given a nice warm fuzzy feeling that the federal government is going to do anything and everything within its power to prevent a collapse. Um, the the stimulus bills that have been passed, uh, whether it's the PPP or the uh, economic development loans that are offered. Or the CARES Act, all of these various different things that are, that are have either already been enacted or are working their way through Congress, really show corporate America and investors in corporate America that the federal government is standing behind uh, behind corporate America in a huge way. All right. The the
1: emotional. So Alex brought up, you know the, you know we're if the economy is doing bad right now or we think it might get worse and the market's at a high point for the year 2020 they you, you start to wonder well if i think the market's going to go down because every because unemployment or what have you all the different factors we start to play the mind game of okay how how much money should stay in the market? Should I pull all of it? How much money should I be putting back into the market or putting into the market? I was funding my 401k. Should I continue to fund my 401k? We're emotional creatures. And, you know, for those of you who are listening that are my clients, you might be laughing right now because they're like, Ryan Berklow is not an emotional person. <laughs> and contrary to belief, I've got 50,000 people in my head that are trying to get me to do different things. And I speak into them, like, you know, purchasing a car and all these other different things that I go back and forth in, even with the finance stuff, even with the investment stuff. Alex and I were having a conversation prior to recording this, and even myself started to wonder, well, maybe I should, you know, do something different with my investments because of my thoughts and
2: feelings around what's going on. And then we had a conversation around, okay, well, what is investing? And versus speculation and, you know, the discussion centered around investing is something that is done systematically over a long period of time. Systematically over a long period of time, emotions actually play a very small component of it. It's the fundamentals of of how we're doing and, and what actually is going to come to bear, um, not over a short period of time, not over, say, the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, but over the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, like where, it, like, and essentially what, what the stock market is saying is that the, the thought process or belief that COVID is the thing that ends American life as we know it, it's saying that they don't believe that because if they did, then the market wouldn't be doing what it's doing the thought process right now is that the that we're going to wind up recovering from this it's a matter of time before we actually do and the while the emotional hit can
1: can be large in, in terms of just stress the financial hit of trying to play that timing of the market could be huge right if you look back and alex i'm sure you're going to correct me on which year it was it was either 08 or 09 the first um, like half of that year, the market was down like 50% or 30% or some number. And then, so a lot of people were freaking out. And what do you think they're doing? They're going out of the market, out of the market. All of a sudden, the second half of the year, the market went crazy and the market was up 60, 70%, something something crazy. And If you pulled your money out or if you made different changes, if you lowered your allocation and lowered your risk, you missed out on some piece of the market rebounding and rebounding crazy.
2: Yeah, when you hear about the the V-shaped recovery, uh, they're really referencing what happened in 2009. Um, and it, it wasn't quite half a year. It was really the first about two, two and a half months. And then in early March, there was a structural change, uh, early March of 2009, there was a structural change. And once that structural change was put back into place and it was just reversing something that had been done, uh, about a year, year and a half ago, uh, or a year, year and a half prior rather. Um, then the market took off and, uh, for the rest of March, April and May we saw a tremendous rebound and uh, to the point where anybody who had uh, put their cash on the sidelines um, and wasn't sure if the rebound was real or wasn't sure you know what was going to happen um, that they, they missed out and they missed out in an incredible way. Um, when we take a look at market timing and the effects of market timing, uh market timing trying to get in and out of the market at exactly the right time is incredibly difficult for professionals professionals have an overwhelmingly negative track record with it
1: the it's the more two, it's two steps it's not just like one step right like let's just say you perfectly timed like the worst day of the year in 2020 and you actually cashed out and went to cash the next thing you have to do is perfectly time getting back into the market. Yeah.
2: when um, is it, that? When, and when, it's, once it's you virtually start virtually impossible to time both of those. Oh, a hundred percent. And once you start playing that emotional game with yourself, it's it's so challenging to get over it. Um I mean there there's one person who I who I know who um, got out of the market uh because of, of non market related uh, events, missed out on a tremendous run, and then was about to get back into the market when this occurred. The market dropped precipitously at the very beginning of COVID, uh, you know, February and early March, and they haven't gotten to the point where they're comfortable putting money into the market. And, and so it's something where that the we cannot allow emotions to dictate our decisions because we're going to make poor decisions. If that occurs, that is one of the major reasons why folks should hire a a professional uh, to, to manage their investments for them is to, to avoid that emotional component um, and to, to make sure that we're looking at it from an objective standpoint of, okay, why are we doing what? Um, and some people are probably thinking, okay, well, it's easy to do that when you're you know, a 30-year-old and you've got your entire career ahead of you. It's much harder to do it when you're a 60-year-old and you just saw your retirement nest egg collapse. Uh, sure, 100%. <clears throat> I would argue that the 30-year-old and the 60-year-old should be dramatically differently invested. Um, and, and so you know, really what it amounts to is making sure that you've got an appropriate allocation and an appropriate structure for, for what you're doing so that we can, like, st- and even the 60 year old, I mean, let's think about that 60 year old for a second. Yes. It might be that they're in retirement or nearing retirement or taking retirement within the next, say five years or so. Um, and they're going to need some of that money. However, that 60 year old also has a life expectancy. That's going to take them to their mid eighties, if not nineties or beyond and life expectancy is half of the population, so half the people are going to outlive that life expectancy. Um, yeah. So, so as the the, we we still still have the long-term
1: part. time horizon. Exactly. Even if you're 60, there's still a 20-year time horizon oftentimes, and we we forget that time horizon. And yeah. It, and it's easy to forget. So. Look, the, the point of today's conversation is a, you know, talking about the market versus the economy and what really is the difference. And then b, so what's the takeaway? So you know, Ryan Alex, I, I get that you're telling me that the market and economy do not go up and down in the same direction, one and the same. So what do I do? Well, the, the point that we're getting at here is try to limit that emotional game that you you may be playing in your head. Talk to a professional. Talk to someone that knows those investments and and do it and does it for a living. Uh, And then, you know, when we're talking about investing it, you know, right. Investing is a long-term piece. Speculation is short term.
2: Yeah. If you've got money that you need in a, you know, six months, one year, two years time period, it it shouldn't be invested in the stock market. You know, we can have some conversation around, okay, What type of risk are you willing to take? But for the most part, like if you need that money inside of a year, there there really shouldn't be any way that it's invested in the stock market.
1: So this, this takes us to our favorite part of the podcast and it's the question of the day. Many of you responded to a question of the day. So thank you for that. So Alex, what's our question of the day for today's episode?
2: Question of the day is what emotional games are you playing in regards to your finances, whether that's cash flow, investments, retirement, what are the uh, what are the tricks that you're playing on yourself, and you're allowing uh, what what emotional issues are are driving your decisions? So, so if you sure have you had- more, <laughs> go ahead, Ren. <Ryan.
1: laughs> so make sure you head to beerandmoney.net, and you can answer that question. Uh, As well as feel free to, if you have any other questions that you have and want uh, want us to maybe talk about here on the show, uh, there's at the bottom of that page is a way to interact with us there. So as always, we appreciate your guys' time. We hope we brought some value today. And Mr. Collins,
2: cheers.
0: This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only for individual professional advice. Guest speakers and reporters are not affiliated with or endorsed by the primary securities guardian or quantified finance. your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may these value. Plan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors at Park Avenue Securities LLC, OSJ, 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Colmont, California, Prime These products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, Amber, and Canada, SIPC. Financial Inter- representatives of the Guardian, Life Insurance, Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a fully subsidiary of Guardian. Financial Partners is not an employee or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Under 2020 914 Expiration 09-2022.